athletes and friends, welcome to the Woven Athlete Podcast. I am your host, Nick, and this is my co-host. What's up, everyone? It's Stevie. And we are here to champion the athlete's mental game before, during, and after their athletic careers and performances. So let's jump in. All right, we have made it to the final podcast of this series. Uh, today, you're in for a treat. We're bringing on our friend, Mingo Palacios, a uh, great friend. We've known him for 10 plus years. Yep. Um, he has been instrumental in kind of just helping us become the people we are. I mean, if you hear any comedy from us, any laughter, any joy, any passion, um, a lot of moments have been shared with this guy. Um, he's really helped me in my creative mind, in my entrepreneurial mind, even starting Woven Athlete. It's from moments I've spent with this guy, um, learning from him. He's he's done a lot of awesome things uh, in Southern California and I would say just all over the place. Yeah, and he's just a really fun, fun person. He's Him and his wife are some of our best friends. And today's conversation we get it's really fun and then it's also really deep and we get in some real stuff so just be be ready for that his um experience with mental illness and his family is very real and we get to have conversation about that so it's a really really good conversation we had so much fun and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Yeah, and you get to hear from a pastor today. We brought a pastor online. Uh, he is the lead pastor of Torrey Pines Church down here in Southern California. So if you're ever in the area, you got to come visit. He honestly, though, I, I wish everyone could meet him. You would just, he's such an authentic person. And uh, having lunch with them or going down to the beach and surfing, he's just the guy you want to be around. You always have a good day when you hang out with this guy. So we're excited for you to get to hang out with him right now in this podcast. So let's jump in. Let's do it. Mingo, how's it going, man? Great. How are you two doing tonight? Today. Tonight. Today. today. <laughs> right now. Here, now, in this moment. We are doing absolutely incredible. Uh, it was a fun day. We actually were where you were today. How weird is that? Yeah, it was awesome to see the crossover. I mean, for context oh. sake, for people who may not know, like yes. we've worked for years together and then you actually left us high and dry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, but I mean, yeah, like I, I love being in the through part of the narrative, right? I was yes. on this side of the we're dreaming, we're believing, we have yeah. an idea and to celebrate on this side and actually now get to have like a small page in the story of Woven Athlete is super cool. It's so awesome. And dude, for, for context, for those listening right now, uh, if you're on this podcast, this is Mingo. He was my boss. He's also been my friend yeah. for years. Uh, he actually, Stevie and I are married because of this guy. How crazy <laughs> is that? What? We just, we're spilling it all on this, all over this podcast. But, it's been, I mean, it's been probably over a decade that we've been a part of each other's lives. That's really fun. And we ain't going nowhere, but it was pretty cool. I think, you know, Mingo, I think that uh, something that our audience and the people listening need to know is that you drive a really <laughs> cool vehicle. 
Uh, you were driving it today. Yes. And uh, I think it it's due to share about the backstory. What kind of vehicle it is, what year it is. And the yeah. backstory, I think it's I'll give a- you 100% context. Gas is $6 a gallon. And so <laughs> it's the cheapest vehicle I own to drive many miles. Is it really? Yeah, shockingly enough. Okay, so it's a 1961 Volkswagen bus. It's like, think mm. like every, you know, old dad's rule you know, <laughs> iconic t-shirt it's that volkswagen bus yeah. it's 21 windows um oh but most people don't realize they think old cars are like gas guzzlers yeah. in which like american you know muscle cars are but <laughs> yeah. this is like a german Ooh. fine-tuned the motor can <laughs> probably fit in your back pocket if, uh, <laughs> you know American muscle cars have like, you know, 400, 300 horsepower. This has freaking mule gerbil power. It's like, oh it's so God. weak. <laughs> it's so weak. And so uh, it gets insane gas mileage. So I literally, I, I, I drive like a Highlander also. You drive a Highlander. I, I drive a Highlander too, man. I was like, I only had to fill up one time like this last week. And I was like, screw this. I'm driving the VW bus. Nice. So, that makes sense. I've been seeing you drive it and I'm like, it's not summer yet. He breaks that thing out come like June. It's my summer whip, my summer yeah. jam. But uh, you know what else it is? Gas over $6 jam. That's what <laughs> yes. I mean, Mingo, has anyone, I mean, I, I feel like people driving down the freeway would probably be like, yeah, thumbs up, man. But do you ever get like the other finger? Like people are like, hey, would you get out of the way, bro? Like what's going on uh, with you? I used to. So I did some upgrades that kind of gave me a little bit more pep in the motor. Ooh, I used to yeah. only go 55 miles an hour max. If you oh, yeah. about like building patience as a virtue. Yeah. Um, but yeah. today yeah. I get less middle fingers. I get more thumbs these okay. days than I okay, do. Good. How often do you roll up, like trying to leave wherever you're at and some like hipster is taking a picture in front of your face. You know what? It, it's like all it's all ages and stages today i was trying to go to the dmv funny enough to get the registration updated and i was being like held up by everybody tells me their nostalgia story so everyone's like oh man when i was growing up blah, my parents had blah and so you know you have to have you can't drive an old classic car and not enjoy listening to people tell yeah. you a story of their some of their greatest memories. Nobody is like, you know, nobody stops and tells you like horror stories from them. No, some people do. They're like, no, that was a death wish. <laughs> but most people stop yes. and like, man, uh, this was like this ear, this earmarked the best, you know, decade of my life. If I could go, everybody says, if I could go back and tell myself one thing, I'd tell myself, don't sell it, which is actually part of the reason why I've had it for over 20 years is just because so many people tell me, don't, don't let don't go yeah. yeah hodl hodl it dude hodl all day long Keeper. Keeper. Um, you could sell it to me though mingo yeah or just gift that. it to me you know, yeah. i cool. you know the day you guys got married i think you asked the exact same thing you're like hey <laughs> you have this or yeah he's still oh, holding funny, it for us. funny story thinking of that we have that in all of our wedding photos it is so we do have a piece of it so thank you there you, you, go. you know it's awesome. crazy because a lot of stories from me and Mingo's past come from long road trips of just doing awesome things together. And, uh, you know, um, I want the audience to get a chance to, uh, get to know you. And, uh, and I think that it would be cool for you to start by sharing of, uh, I think every like 
endurance athletes dream is to do what you did a few years ago and that is to jump in an RV and travel all like national parks all over the United States and just crush it having a great time and doing significant stuff but I wanted to hear more and have you share kind of like your background and backstory you did that minus the uh Minus the getting out and climbing up the mountain kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, I would say, if you, you know, <laughs> my, my van life story starts with my hyper-athleticism. There was no way I would be a survivor <laughs> of that if I wasn't, uh, if I wasn't a, a, a pillar of an athlete. <laughs> really. um, okay, so backstory on me. I, I actually am so far from the person who would be found at a, race or like if people get named like 10 traits that describe me endurance would not be in probably <laughs> the top 22 there you uh, go. words described me but um i did get to live the van life in a really unique way uh that was not expected i was i was um so i am a pastor i i've been a pastor for uh decades and i i had a really unique opportunity a few years back when uh, while working for a large church in Orange County, I got to basically pitch the idea that I would tour the country, but instead of like flying into a town and renting a car, um, that there would be kind of like this more like camaraderie based, very much more like, I cannot believe you came to us like mm-hmm. posture in uh, the idea of basically converting like a 20 year old RV that was parked on a back lot at this Mm -hmm. church that nobody had a vision for, nobody had an interest in. Um, so the idea was to basically invest and convert and build something that nobody else would ever even imagine could be a thing. Mm -hmm. And then test and tour and drive and visit and really discover all the amazing things that people are doing all over the country. We did, um, in one year, we toured um, four months out of the 12 that are in a year. So you've got literally 25% of your year on the road. Yeah. Um, We went from Southern California, essentially from the Mexican border to the Canadian border and back. We did that circuit two times. And then we went from the Pacific Ocean all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. and uh that was a crazy i mean it was it was it was living every single day kind of plotting your course um just discovering all the amazing stories that are there to be heard all across the country yeah and behind that you know um like obviously mingo did say that he was a pastor of a very large church in southern california and i always found it so fascinating that like when you hear church, you're like, oh man, if he's a pastor, he's probably like, do this, turn or burn, blah, 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 like the <laughs> conversation. But, you know, you think like, oh my gosh, what does a pastor say? Well, I think that of everyone I've met in the 10 years of me doing ministry, uh, the way you've always communicated and approached church and like meeting new people has always been different. And I'm still trying to pick up and learn kind of what you've shown me through it all. And I think it's interesting and it would be worth kind of sharing about like what you kind of did, what you, how do you see, like, how did you see the ministry working through 
the RV and then even maybe pouring into like just your overall outlook on like faith, I guess. Yeah. That's a loaded question. Um, so I think, you know, a great starting point for, you know, everybody who listens to a podcast wonders if there's a, uh, an identifying component that would link me to the person that's on the other side of the podcast, like the guest or the host. Sure. And, um, Mm-hmm. I think the common denominator for everybody is that you may or may not know that the gifts that you have, the, the talents that you have, uh, a lot of times people think that those are for them to experience joy and to experience a sense of fulfillment. And there is a sense of joy and fulfillment that comes from understanding your gifts and your abilities and your talents. But few people realize that you, those are in you purposed to give hope to other people. And that actually is um, the common denominator that all of us share. We all have gifts. We all have talents. We all have abilities for you and your audience. The the focal gift in the common denominator is athleticism, the ability to rise above and to outpace the average human being. And you do that through the vehicle of races and um, and circuits and and training. Um, But... I think very few people realize that that can actually be a catalyst for giving other people hope, a catalyst Mm. for giving other people a sense of um, purpose and fulfillment. And the, the way that you arrive at that perspective is through the person of Jesus. And so you don't have to be, you know, a mega pastor or a, you know, even a person who has known Jesus a long time to start to wrap your brains around that and then to live a much more fulfilled life through the things that you love, knowing that God can use it to bring joy to other people. And that was essentially, um, that was the, the purpose of my own, like, you know, border to border, coast to coast tour was really to draw out other people's passions and connect all of those like common denominators and go like, keep going because God is uh, present. I've, I heard it said really well in a book called Velvet Elvis that um, Jesus people are best when they see themselves as um, tour guides, when they can point out the hand and the work and the goodness of God on display uh, wow. instead of pointing at people, telling them, you know, you're doing this wrong, you're going the wrong direction, you're making the wrong decisions, how much better of a life you will have in pursuit of Jesus when you point out all the good things uh, that are in alignment with his character. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so, so good. I think uh, one of the things that we kind of talked a little bit about, even on that same thing that you mentioned, uh, I, I was, you know, the hope side of things is like, it can become really hopeless in the sport. Um, you know, when you don't, hit a mark that you've been working so hard for um or you're like someone says something a coach says something or whatever and you just an injury or you're going through something with food and nutrition but um I think that uh without this you know without Christ being like in the in your corner you kind of like face this like what is the purpose of this pain like is there a purpose behind this is there anywhere I can turn to or run to and And I think that like, if when we don't have Jesus as kind of like a start line or maybe a foundation or something, it can feel like all of this stuff is like in vain. 
mm. uh, so to speak. It can kind of feel like, well, what am I doing this for? Like, if I don't get past this finish line first, what does that say about me? You know, um, and I think that like, I don't know what you've learned about like identity and stuff, but, um, you know, what do you think uh, for for athletes that, you know, have walked this journey a long time and are still wondering why there's a hole that hasn't been fulfilled? You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of easier to um, I don't know. What do you think, Stevie, like draw yeah. the line to I don't know what we've discovered is that like more people are kind of like trying to outperform what the whole is in their heart you know what I mean yeah and I th- I think I think it's maybe like us for some people it can be like a subconscious whole I don't know that some people would even think that they necessarily even have a hole in their makeup they may be on a good track and not feel like there's necessarily something missing but it kind of comes back to like like you and I, we were at the gym, we were telling the story before, but Nick and I were at, um, the climbing gym a few weeks back and I was having a really hard time getting one of the routes. And I was at this place where I felt like I should get it. And I was one move from the top and I just kept not being able to get it. And I was really frustrated. And on the way home, Nick said, it comes down to, it needs to come down to what does it mean about you if you get it? And what does it mean if you don't? And I felt like that was such a good question because what does it mean about me? And if you don't have like a foundation in which to come back to, then your success or your failure is what defines you. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least that's your perception yeah. If you don't have that, what do you think, Mia? I think two words came to mind when you were describing that. I think of the word stability and then I think of the word substance, right? Mm-hmm. So stability is um, those are the lines that keep you from crashing to the ground. If you're using mm-hmm. the, you know, if you're using a climbing reference, that's your crash pad. Or, yeah. you know, if you're on belay, that's the, that's the security that you have when you take a calculated risk and you either underestimate, you know, what is in front of you or you overestimate, you over, you, you think that you have something in you that in fact, maybe you don't. When I think of stability in my relationship with Jesus, when it comes to the people that I know who prioritize or put a high value on their athleticism, what it does is it allows them to be in process and in progress. Mm -hmm. So many people will cut themselves short or they'll give themselves very little grace because they have such a regimented plan for where they need to be and how quick they need to be there. Mm -hmm. And a life tethered to Jesus means that there is a, a stability that does not rely on your benchmarks or your outputs. That makes sense. So the Bible says that Jesus is a firm foundation, uh, which to me says Um, I can go discover and I can go um, try all of these like great endeavors, knowing that I have a firm foundation at the bottom of all of that, that if those attempts or those efforts or those calculated risks 
if they don't pan out, they don't define who I am and they don't define um, the value that I bring to the community that I'm a part of because that's not my firm foundation. Christ is. Mm. So I can actually be much more confident and I can actually attempt and fail. I can, I can try and not succeed many more times than the person who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus because in those failures, I don't hold and digest my identity. Wow. Mm. Ugh, yeah. Dang, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, digesting that is, uh, it, it's, uh, it's not meant, it's not meant to go down. <laughs> like it really isn't. And that's, <laughs> and that's, what's really hard is so like, you know, you talk about, you know, the difference between an athlete and then a, and then a, a performing athlete, somebody who is constantly, working towards a podium place or working towards a next best personal record. Um, it's pretty easy to make that your foundation. My foundation is setting a better time. My foundation is having this many sequential podiums in a row. And like, um, I, I just, I love that I can choose to not make that my God. I can make, I can choose to not make that the most important thing in my world. So for me, um, my own podium would be, am I getting invited to, am I getting invited to speak at conferences? Am I in front of hundreds or next year, will it be thousands or the following year, will it be tens of thousands? Um, And I've had all of those opportunities. And then what's, inevitable are you know despite all of my abilities if that was my athletic slant um you interject something like a global pandemic and it's not even based on my ability or my inability something that was outside of me took away my opportunity to make a an advancement in something that i was keeping track of okay every year i go speak at this conference every uh, every season, the Lord has given me an opportunity to like have a greater impact by way of my own podcast or speaking at this place. Yeah. And if my identity was only in the satisfaction of seeing more people come together to listen or to have greater listenership or to have a bigger room, uh, I would crumble in disappointment. Wow. But because that's not my, um, true satisfaction that's not my identity nor is that the thing that i think defines me uh i can go two years without speaking on a public stage and be just as fulfilled just as purposeful and just as determined to see god open the door for the next thing uh even though i haven't seen that materialized in two years because of Mm -hmm. the situation that all of us are in yeah and it, it we hit that <laughs> you and I I was on staff at the time of COVID and we literally stood behind a camera for mm-hmm. an entire year we're talking about every Sunday of our waking life <laughs> like yeah. we're we're in front of an audience um you know allowing that excitement and energy that we get from the audience um and that passion behind teaching the word to you know like just it's fun it's a fun thing mm-hmm. but sitting behind that and knowing that this is like one aspect of who I am, but it's not the determining factor of who I am. That could be hard though, for certain athletes listening to this right now. Mm-hmm. Like if you told them, Hey, you're not going to podium for two years. You're not going to win a championship for two years. 
like what what did that what would that say about their identity would they be able to live in that would they be able to train efficiently if you told them two years down the road mm-hmm. well right. would that dismantle their motivation but that goes back to the question you asked stevie mm-hmm. whether you make it or you don't make oh, it yeah like that and how you assess yourself in the in the win or the loss yeah i probably you know the question probably you know as a pastor i would love to ask and i would compel an athlete to say is can you find and can you define your purpose despite the podium yeah despite your uh your your achievement do you believe that there is a greater why behind your what so if your what is climbing uh is there a greater why than showing up first or getting to the top first if you're a runner is there a greater why that you've been able to actually pen out that you can write and that you can lean on Mm. Uh, and most of i think the people that have found great breakthroughs when they have hit a glass ceiling mm-hmm. can articulate a very concise why despite the chaos of whatever is in front of them right mm. yeah you know something that i think i would love for our audience to hear more about and and of course Pastor Mingo would never like share about his accolades like he has spoken in front of thousands of people he has traveled to different venues and spoken at different conferences, all that amazing stuff that you get to do. Um, But I think that, uh, you know, as we address mental performance and um, you've always been so amazing at communicating that journey of what it's been like in your life and in your family, um, you don't speak from not no experience about like mental, mental health. I think when you even a few weeks ago were sharing um, just even a story recently that it, it just like it took me back to why I love doing what we do mental yeah. performance and athletes and so I don't know like you don't speak from an uh, what do you call it you don't speak from a inexperienced area you've walked through it um, and I was wondering like yeah what is, if you wanted to share that story about that that mental health journey in your family life I mean, there's a lot. It's like a, it's a, it's one large story with many, you know, <laughs> yeah, many sure. Out, many standout uh, moments. <laughs> we, in my family, probably like, like, probably like any family, there are um, seasons of high stress and high tension that come from not being able to rightly um, diagnose or identify what is happening when it comes to somebody's mental health. Um, and what I love about the moment that we're all living in right now is that it's yeah. not a stigma to ask the question, are we doing okay here in our mind? Are we doing okay in our soul? Are we doing okay in our, um, in our spirit, right? And those, those in seasons past, probably in decades past, could actually be um, translated as, as forms of weakness. But today it's a part of the total human experience. And so it's validated much more today than it probably has been maybe in any other era. Uh, yeah. You know, before. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's not dismissed as, you know, you just don't have mental fortitude and so go suck it up. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. In my family, uniquely um, we, 
you know, there's been much tragedy and much trauma that goes beyond my generation. It goes beyond my mother's generation. And it actually, to my knowledge, uh, just exploring and, you know, examining our family history starts with my grandmother, actually. There was a, a, an unthinkable tragedy in, uh, in my grandparents' life, which would have been my mom as a small child. Um, they were on a family vacation. They were at a lake. And while eating lunch, one of my mom's brothers at the age of 12 was swimming at, in the lake very close to shore in a teenage driver in literally the 70s. This happened in the 70s. Teenage driver of a boat came by and um, struck and killed my mom's younger brother. Oh my and, gosh. Um, so you can imagine just the devastation that like instantly circuited through my family. Um, they were never able to recover my uncle's uh, body. No, they never found him mm. at the age of 12. So mm. like uh, that, that instant moment, that occurrence forever changed the psychological and spiritual and physical DNA of my mom's side of the family in, in a way that they, in a, in a weird way, would never really recover from. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother, my mom will say, would, would never be the same. And um, mm -hmm. the loss of a sibling, the loss of a, a brother, the loss of a child changes in, you know, you, the human will cope, however. So some will lean hard into going even more extreme in their athleticism. They'll just train more, work more, run more, you know, go harder. Others will turn to um, a vice. My grandmother, um, she, she went to a vice and she, she became essentially like a functioning alcoholic. And in that it made a, it was like a stone that hit a lake and there was a ripple that went out and it affected my mother. It affected my mom's other brother. And that would play out in the course of my childhood as my mom would experience a heightened sense of stress and um, uncertainty in her own life as my parents tried to um, single-handedly lift a business in Mexico. It would yeah. kind of trigger and resurface this um, undealt with trauma in my mom's life that would ultimately swing her mental health into what we know kind of commonly as mental illness. Yeah. Um, doctors would prescribe it as um, bipolar. And bipolar, if you're not familiar with it, it has two functions. It goes way up and you're essentially on cloud nine. Nothing can, nothing can touch you. Nothing can harm you. Everything is great. And you can stay up for, you know, 64 hours at a time just on the sheer chemical imbalance that's in wow. your mind. Um, telling you everything is great. It's like a drug almost. And then uh, your body will switch like a light switch and it will swing to a low. And then that is what most people know as like clinical depression. And the low is deeper than probably what an average person would say is like, I don't feel great about myself today. I didn't hit these benchmarks today. The low is so low that it, it keeps you from getting out of bed multiple mm -hmm. days in a row. Mm -hmm. you know, that's not like a normal... I don't feel great. And uh, that's what my mom was diagnosed with. And it ravaged our family when I was young. It was, it was devastating because as we were trying to figure out 
what it was, we had to kind of go through the onslaught of diagnosis and is this the right diagnosis and medication? Is this, is this the right medication? Is this the right amount of medication? And that in anybody's world, if you ever go through um, the fragility of mental illness by one relationship removed, or maybe that's you in your own reality, I will be the first to say it's no easy pathway. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, the importance of having a community, the, the, the necessity of having people close to you that you can be just disgustingly transparent with and say, yeah. I'm beyond what I think is normal for me is so necessary. And I pray even anybody listening today that Mm -hmm. If there is a sense of feeling like it is a, a stigma or something that you want to hide, something that you don't want to say or something you don't want to bring to the light, uh, that you would just reject that lie. There are more yeah. people that love you than people who would leave you. Wow. When wow. it comes to wanting to drag this out to the light to be, um, to be addressed. Um, so for us, for our family, you said, you know, what was the story or what was the thing it was really committing to figuring out how we make the most out of the reality of having to deal with mental illness and, um, and not just being it in, on my mom, in, in my mom's life, but the ramifications of what it would mean for me and my three brothers. I have two brothers besides myself uh, that all have to check and balance ourselves to make sure that we are in a mental, uh, clarity, um, uh, a position of taking care of what happens in our minds, not just what happens to our physical bodies. Yep. Yeah. 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 Starts Hopefully there. That's not like too much, but no, that, you know, that makes up who I am in this world of both the exterior and the interior of people's wellness. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to them achieving what it is that they believe God has put them on this planet to achieve. Yeah. Well, and yeah, go ahead, Stevie. No, I was just going to say, no, it's, it's good for people to hear story in context um, because people relate to story and people who are listening, who don't know you, um, it gives a little more weight to what you're saying. It's, it's easy to say, Jesus is my foundation when my life is easy. Um, but when you've been rocked to your core from a young age, over and over and over again, that foundation can feel really rocky and really yeah. um, just shaky. And so you had to choose where you were going to find that firm foundation that you're talking about and what you had so many options and they were all loose and unstable. Yeah. Like when you're standing, uh, you and I've talked about this before, when you're standing at the beach and the waves are hitting you and the sand, the wet sand buckles in from underneath you, that's like essentially what your childhood was. So you had to figure out this foundation I'm on is buckling underneath me. It was firm, but the wave hit and now it's buckling and it just, I move over and then the wave hits and it's buckling. So where am I going to find a foundation that doesn't buckle underneath me? And yeah. that was a true story. It wasn't an easy life for you. You had to buy experience by way of, um, I don't know if desperation, if that would be what you'd call it by way of 
um, essentially desperation, you had to find a foundation that wasn't going to keep buckling. Right. Well, and I think of like Nick. So I know Nick personally has been going through the mental kind of gauntlet of having to submit himself to PT as he has been on the road to wanting to achieve all of these goals. Yeah. If Nick's identity was solely shored up in his ability to podium, mm-hmm. he would be a much less stable human for his family, mm-hmm. for you, his wife. He wouldn't be able to show up with mental clarity for his, the community of friends that he has if he was basing all of his worth around how well he did in last week's race. Yeah. The reason yeah. why Nick can navigate uh, physical therapy and take it easier in the next few weeks is because all of who he is, is standing actually on a much firmer foundation yeah. than any achievement that comes from his, um, his ability. And that's actually where I think like most athletes um, will experience a much truer and richer fulfillment i mean the the dopamine hit of winning a race or coming in at a personal best yeah it will not last past monday yeah Yeah. it's the same for any of us in any practice i mean you don't have to be an elite athlete to examine the chemical makeup of somebody's brain and say wow (laughs) this doesn't last yeah. 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 So true. You know, mm-hmm. so we have to dig deeper in that sense. You have to go back to, you have to ask the question, why am I even here? And for mm-hmm. me in a moment of desperation, Stevie, you said it. And in a, in a, in a season when I was the funniest, most popular, I had a VW bus when I was a senior in high school. I mean, I had all the right things to make me from the outside looking in, feel and look as if I had it all together. Therefore, I would have been fulfilled to the 10th degree. Yeah. But nobody is fulfilled from the outside going in. Fulfillment only comes from the inside going out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's so good. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You know, I hope that if you're listening right now, you're encouraged. Um, like I said, we've uh, had the awesome opportunity to be in relationship with Mingo and his wife and just that community of people and here in San Diego. And, um, you know, we can, we want to keep having this corner and conversation available Mm -hmm. of just exploring faith, talking about faith. And, and like Stevie was talking about with Mingo is that it's all through story. We wouldn't want to bring something fake to you about what it means to talk about Jesus. Um, he really has become uh, something solid that we can stand on. Mm-hmm. And um, I think even, I think that it, I, I mean, I don't think, I know in my story of becoming an athlete, it's made me a stronger athlete. Mm-hmm. It's made me, it's given me the ability to look at the person to my left and to my right or in front of me when I'm competing and go like, you are a human being who has a need. Mm-hmm. And I don't look at like just the mental need. I look at the need for their soul. And it's mm-hmm. so much bigger than a game. It's so much bigger than crossing the finish line first. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you cross the finish line first, your whole entire life 
but you miss the whole purpose of why you're here. You know, like say you, it just, you finish your last race, your career's ended and you can't write something about it. If you yeah. can't finish that last thing and be glad about what you did, um, we're just at such a loss, you know? So uh, Mingo, I really uh, thank you so much for, for getting transparent about your story, who you are, what you do. Um, we're super blessed uh, to be able to hang out with you on a weekly basis. <laughs> <laughs> And to be a part of your family. I mean, we have, you have three kids now. Yeah, yeah. Talk about like being an elite athlete. I freaking am turning 40 and we just had a newborn baby girl. <laughs> hey, that's a whole new that level is, of athleticism yeah. right there. Podium, podium me for sure. Yeah, um, yeah dude. We'll get man, you a gold medal, dude. I love, here's what I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. I yeah. love what Woven's goal is. The mission as far as I understand it, is simply to find the common denominators between those who compete for pleasure and who compete for a living and to draw them closer together. That, that mission alone to, to bring together the uh, competitive athlete is a reflection of the character and nature of God, is yeah. to bring people together and to give them... Um, a sense of hope and to help them see beyond their ability to see themselves, right. To create a greater vantage point. Mm -hmm. um, what you guys are offering in this moment for emerging athletes and for people who want to see the best out of themselves is so necessary in this moment because yeah. it begs the question, is there more beyond what I can bring to the table by my physical ability? And we all know the answer to that, that there's so much more. It's mental yeah. fortitude and mental health. That's Stevie, what I love that you continue to push the, the conversation towards. And it's, uh, it cannot be resolved completely without addressing your spiritual health, mm -hmm. your spiritual mm -hmm. clarity, your purpose. Yeah. It all boils down to your purpose. And so um, does God have the desire to see you be the best version of you, whether that's to podium or to set personal records over and over and over again? Absolutely. Because he made you to be a shining example of who he is. Yeah. So when you do well and you point back to him in the process, yeah, uh, I think God creates supernatural ways for you to find your own breakthroughs and break through your own ceilings and set your own unthinkable trajectories because at the end of the day you're not pointing towards yourself you're pointing towards him wow that's what you're doing and i appreciate that yeah yeah thank you yeah it's it's yeah it's good it's comes back to like you're saying that that absolute truth like uh when at the end of the day, what's the absolute truth? You have that goal that you want to set in like an athletic world, or if you're not an athlete in whatever your goal is in life for you, a big goal is reaching people by, or it was at least for a while, reaching people by way of community, by way of speaking, things like that. So whatever your goal is, if you come short or you surpass it at the end of the day, what is your absolute truth? Well, how can you how can you know what your absolute truth is? What do you measure that by? And for me in my, my life, it's always been coming back to 
my foundation in Jesus and my purpose in Jesus. And he's my absolute truth. And so if my fulfillment and absolute truth is in him, then it doesn't matter the situation, the outcome, anything like that. Yeah. But he, like you're saying, it's still, uh, he still finds joy in seeing us find joy in our athletic pursuits. If we are finding joy and pointing back to him, he loves it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Mingo, thank you for your time. Uh, I would love for people to connect with you. Um, if they did hear something in this that they wanted to ask you a question about, what would be the easiest way for them to check in with you? Um, probably the easiest way is through Instagram. So my Instagram is Mingo2. Um, mm-hmm. If you're in the Southern California area, if you're local to San Diego, you can always come and check us out at Tory Pines Church. We're like a stone throw from the golf course, and we are <laughs> um, like a mile and a half from probably some of the best trails that you can like run. Yeah, in California. I know this from experience. I've ran most of those trails. They are amazing. <laughs> yes, he does not lie. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, you know. If, you know, one of the things I appreciate being a guest on your podcast is to probably even um, deconstruct maybe some of the stigma that people have about how pastors can play a role in your personal life, right? Like, right. They're a version of a coach to help you make the best version of you come alive. And yeah. that's ultimately at the end of the day, what I want to do. I want to see the best out of you and Stevie. I want to see all the things that you dream about and all the things that you talk about and all the things that you hope for, I want to see those things come to life. And I think a pastor who is really good at his job believes the best when you can't believe for yourself. Yep. So if you don't have a pastor in your life, that's doing that for you, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I could be that uh, for yeah. someone. Yeah. Yeah. You're you, good at it. Yeah. You guys heard it from him, Mingo. Um, we really appreciate your time. Make sure you come and visit him and us. We're all in San Diego. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks. Love you, man. Love you guys. I'll talk to you guys soon.